Good morning. It's time for us to get started with our, our worship time this morning. Thank you for joining us uh, here at Flagstone. Thank you for being here in the worship center with us. And to those of you who join us online, thank you for being here and being a part of our worship as well, even wherever it is that you're watching from this morning. Uh, for our folks that are coming into the worship center, we have a few things to share with you. Um, as we get started this morning, I want you to be aware, of, especially if this is one of your first times here, I want you to know uh, some things that, that we have going this morning. Um, first of all, when you came in the door, hopefully you got handed one of our bulletins. And if you didn't get one of these when you walked in today, make sure you get one before you leave this morning. We'll have some extras out in our lobby. I want to make sure that you have one. There's a lot of things going on with our church family uh, today, this week, and the, weeks, uh, the, the next few weeks. So we want you to be aware of those things. They're listed out here, a lot of different events that you can be a part of. And invite other people to be a part of it as well. So make sure you get one of our bulletins today if you haven't done that. Now, if you're a guest with us, we especially want you to see this QR code in the, up in the top right corner. And if, you're, if this is your first time here or your second time here or maybe you've been here three or four times and just haven't taken the time to do this yet, we'd like for you to click on that QR code. And that will bring up a form where you can share with us um, your contact information. Let us know who you are. Let us know a little bit about yourself. Uh, and... and uh, also give you the opportunity to ask some questions about our church family, maybe some things you want to know about ministries that we have or how you can volunteer for some things. So uh, if you would do that, just click on that QR code. That will bring up that form on your phone, and it won't take very long for you to, uh, for you to fill that out. And then uh, we'll, just, we'll just take it from there after you do that. So please do that if you haven't done that already, especially if you're a guest with us today. We really appreciate um, your help with that. We will be taking communion together this morning. And when that time comes, we'll be passing out. We'll have a, a prayer for the bread and we'll pass out trays. Uh, and in the trays will be these uh, small cups. And then each one of those cups is a piece of bread. And you'll just uh, eat the bread, pass the tray on to the next person. And then we'll do the same thing uh, when it's time to pass the juice around during communion. So we want you to be aware of that and know that's how we're going to participate in community together today and then also um, we will have a time that we will remind you uh, for offering today if you want to to give financially uh, to Flagstone so we can keep the different ministries that we have going on here and and uh, add some more things to that list uh, that opportunity will will be this morning we'll be able to do that um, online or we have baskets out in our lobby and you can put your gift um, out there in those baskets if that would help you if you got kids with you, we're so glad you brought your kids with you today. Um, and if it would help you at all, we have uh, our children's ministry available for all of our parents for kids third grade and younger. And so if you got kids that age, you're welcome at any time this morning, any time during our worship time, uh, to take your kids out to our lobby, right over to our children's check-in area. And we got volunteers ready to take care of your kids and, and give them uh, activities and Bible lessons uh, while you continue to worship in here with us. And so you're welcome to take advantage of that at any time this morning during our worship time. Uh, feel free to do that. If you want to keep your kids with you, you're more than welcome to do that. That's totally fine. At our children's check-in area, we have activity bags with coloring sheets and things like that to keep your kids engaged while you continue to, to worship with us. And so if you want to go grab one of those for your kids, you're welcome to go get one of those right now uh, if, if that would help as well. So why don't you be aware of that? I am thankful to be uh, worshiping with you guys this morning. We got a little bit, a little bit of a gap this morning because um, several of our teenagers and uh, Brandon Dodd, our youth minister, and some other adult volunteers are out at Green Valley Bible Camp for a senior high retreat. And so they're worshiping together there this morning. Uh, and so we're missing them here. But I'm glad that, that you chose to be here. I'm glad that folks online chose to be with us this morning. I'm glad that if you're a guest with us, that you chose to be here and, and be a part of our worship today. We're excited to have you. We're going to start out with a prayer. Ask God to bless our time of worship together. And then we'll, we'll stand together and start praising him together in song. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for, for all the things that, that you, uh, 
you did for us that we asked you to do. Thank you for doing the things we didn't even know we were aware that you need to do for us. You, you provide for us and you protect us in so many ways. And we're so thankful for that. And we want to praise you this morning, God. We want to thank you and, and give you honor and glory for all the things that you do for us and for just all the things that you are uh, for us in our lives. We, just, we praise you, God, and we thank you. I ask right now that you bless our time of worship, that you help us to focus on, uh, on the words of the songs we sing, that you help us focus on the words that are shared in prayers and, and, and from your word. And God, I pray that you speak to us today, that your spirit fills this place as we worship you together, and that you speak to our hearts and let us hear what you want us to hear today. And God, I pray that if there are those who are here in this room or those even watching us online who are dealing with struggles, dealing with burdens of, of, of whatever kind, that they, that they came here this morning carrying some things that are weighing them down. God, I pray that you help us as we worship together. I, hate, I, I pray that you help those folks uh, to be able to start to, to let go of those things, to share them with this church family so that we can help, but most of all, God, to share those things with you and to offer those things to you and trust that you are able and willing to take those burdens away. And so, God, I, I pray that that happens this morning. I pray that you move in this place in a powerful way as we worship you together. And pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Flagstone. Hey, I tell you, it is football season, and I love football season. And I was talking to Jordan this morning. He goes, man, do you like stand at the door when your kids come into school, and you're like, good morning. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I do that. Every morning, they're like, oh, Mr. Bowen, this is too much already this morning. But you know what? I, it, it, it's football season. And I used to be a football player back in the day. And then I coached football, but one thing we would always do when we'd get ready to exercise, I'd say, are you ready? And they'd all go, ready. But now we're not ready for football practice. We're ready to worship. Are you ready? ready. Oh, my goodness. Maybe if we stand up. Maybe if we stand. Let's everybody stand up. <clears throat> are you Ready. Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of glory. Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of glory. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands. To the Father of glory, lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands to the Father of love, and we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord, and we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord, and we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord, and we Open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you. 
darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you.
Good morning. We've been talking about difference makers, and um, I'm going to read from Mark 10, um, 43 through 45. Um, James and John were talking and trying to discuss with Jesus about who's going to sit at his right and left hand when he gets to uh, the kingdom. And Jesus kind of explains, well, that's not what it's all about. And he says in 43, he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be, a, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. So Jesus is telling us that we've got to be servants. And, you know, we, he, we know that he was the ultimate servant. But he also knew that in doing so, that it would be very beneficial to us because a byproduct of making a difference in someone's life tends to be the fact that it almost always changes you. Um, when I was really little, I don't remember if I was in fourth or fifth grade, but we used to draw names at Christmas, and I got my youngest cousin, and she told me what she wanted or on the list, and I ended up, it was like a strawberry shortcake or something. I don't remember, it was a long, long time ago. And, and uh, so I got it for her, and when she opened it, like the joy that she had was so and she came and gave me this biggest hug and I was that was like the first time that I really understood what you know what Christmas was about and you know giving is better than receiving and all that kind of stuff because I didn't really care anymore about what I was getting it was just like the greatest joy or the greatest feeling I had at Christmas was the fact that you she was so happy about something I got her and then um there's another there's um there's a there's some movies that you know when you're flipping the channels they come on and uh you have to watch it like, I mean, at least part of it, because it's just one of these, and the blind side is one of those in our family, talking about football season, so I don't know if most of you have probably seen the blind side, it's a, I'll give you a short little thing, it's a, it's a movie about a um, homeless kid that gets taken in by this family and ends up being a college and professional football player, but during the process of this family taking in this um, about 18 year, he's about to turn 18, and the mother is um, having having lunch with, I'll call her snooty friends, I guess that's what I would call them, and they're kind of discussing it, and they're kind of joking about it, and they said, well, why don't you just adopt him, and she said, well, he's about to be 18, and I don't, and they're like, are you really considering it, and, you know, and she kind of said, you know, you can, you know, make fun of us if you want, but you need to respect my decisions, and one of them says, oh, I don't mean to do that, she goes, you're making a difference in his life. And she said, no, he's changing mine. And so when you do that, you know, I know we're talking about different, but that's not why we're difference makers, but it does benefit us. Okay. And then the last verse of that says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he give his life as ransom for many. And we know that the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate difference maker was Jesus and the fact that he died on the cross so that we could have eternal life and can you imagine the joy that God has when we come to him and we do what he wants us to do and how pleased he is with that so let's pray for the uh, bread right now holy father we thank you for um, your son and the ultimate difference maker that he was thank you for the sacrifice he made on the cross so that we could have um, eternal life with you we thank you that this uh, communion this bread represents his body and help us to remember that in Christ's name we pray amen
Holy Father, we come to you again and we thank you for the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins. We, as we partake of this juice that represents his blood, we pray that we focus on that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, Lord, there 
All right, everybody, let's stand for the song before the sermon. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, it trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God. And Oh, 
don't know how often you've had one of those times uh, when you were, I don't know, carrying something, trying to lift something, you're trying to do it by yourself, and somebody else came along and grabbed the other end of that thing and, and helped you lift it, carry it, haul it, throw it, whatever it was that you're trying to do. Maybe you've done that for other people in your life. I know uh, I've, I've witnessed it multiple times from your kids, from some of our high school teens, when we've been hiking up the mountain. Scotty, you've seen this too. We've been hiking up the mountain in Colorado, and some of us are struggling. Uh, and we got this huge, you know, 50-pound pack on our back, and there's all sorts of things strapped to it and in it. And, and somebody who maybe isn't struggling as much will just offer, will just come up to, you know, uh, a teen or maybe even myself uh, and say, hey, let me, let me get some of that. Let me get, you know, your tent poles or let me get uh, this bag over here and I'll, I'll carry that on mine because, um, you know, I'm doing fine. And, and just helping to shoulder the burden together. Or maybe it's not just carrying something. Maybe just seeing something, in a, in, seeing someone in a situation where they just, they just need help. Uh, several years ago, uh, my oldest son, Ethan, and I were invited to go to um, a Razorback uh, basketball game. And we were meeting the guys that had the tickets um, in uh, Tawnytown. And just on, on Highway 412 there in Tawnytown, there's like a, a McDonald's and a, and a Casey's. Uh, convenience store and so we were meeting there at the McDonald's and Ethan and I come driving in and we're waiting to turn left and this car in front of us just isn't moving and so uh, eventually we just turn left in the, into the McDonald's parking lot and we get out of that car still sitting there and I told Ethan I was like I think I think that guy's having car trouble no hazard lights on or anything just sitting there so we walk back out into the middle, and for those of y'all who know, that 412, that highway, is fairly busy. And we dodge traffic. Uh, it's dark, and we dodge traffic and get out there and knock on the window. And uh, uh, he, he can't roll down the window. He just kind of opens the door. And, you know, we're like, is everything okay? He's like, ah, my car just died. And I'm like, and you're just sitting here? Like, he, he just wasn't doing anything. He's just sitting there. And um, he had called a friend to come pick him up, but he's just sitting there in the middle of this busy highway, in the turning lane, but in the middle of this busy highway. And so, you know, Ethan and I get behind, and, you know, he puts in neutral, and we, we push it uh, into Casey's. I don't know how long that guy would have sat there. I guess he would have waited until his friend showed up, but he was just sitting there. And, and honestly, if he had tried to push it himself, that wasn't going to work, especially on that highway. So, you know, it was great to be able to help him out, even just a little bit. We have times in, like, like that in our lives, right? And maybe it's something significant, maybe something really big that we help somebody with, maybe it's a, a really big burden, maybe it's something that we didn't even think twice about it, we just helped them out and, and went on our way and didn't really think a whole lot about it, and it made a huge impact for them, at least in that moment. Maybe there's some people that have done those kinds of things for us. It wasn't something that, that maybe took them a lot of effort. Maybe they didn't think a whole lot of it. Maybe they went on their merry way after they helped us. But we recognize I couldn't have done what I was trying to do if it hadn't been for that person in that moment. And I want us to be thinking about those times. I want, to be, I want us to be thinking about those people. I want to picture those faces in our minds, the people that we have helped or that have helped us. And it made a huge impact because that's what we're talking about. Darren's already mentioned this morning, we're talking about difference makers, about becoming difference makers and, and finding ways to live a life of not just purpose, but live lives that make an impact in the lives of someone else, recognizing that that's what God has called us to. God has called us to be people who help and who volunteer and who give and who serve and who look for ways to do something positive in somebody else's life. 
And we talked about making a difference with our words, just being positive and encouraging with what we say to people, the phrases we choose, the, the, the tone, the body language, how our words can have a significant impact in somebody else's life. We talked um, last week about our words, but a little bit different, just about our message, our story, recognizing what God has done for us in, in saving us from our sins, or maybe how God has, has rescued us from an addiction, or how God has brought us brought our marriage through some difficult times, and we share that story with somebody else that we know could use that information, could use that story, could be blessed by it. We become difference makers in those people's lives because we share our message. And this morning, one more time, we're going to talk about difference makers. And, and this morning, I want us to be thinking about recognizing people who are, who are struggling, who are weighed down with, with some kind of a, of a burden, and, they, and they, they can't seem to carry it on their own. Or they're struggling to. And we recognize it. We see it. And we want to make a difference when we help. And I'll be honest with you. I, I, I even struggle with how do I, how do I word this? How do I make, making a difference when I help? Making a difference when I shoulder a burden? Maybe making a difference when I see someone weighed down? I mean, that's, it, it, it seemed too wordy. So I just narrowed it down to when I help. But, but I really want us to be thinking about making a difference, making an impact in somebody's life who is in that moment struggling with something. Who in that moment is, is, is carrying a burden and they're, and they're dropping it or they're not moving or it's weighing them down. And, and choosing to help with that, choosing to, to help carry it or, or to provide them some resources or, or some kind of advice or wisdom somehow help them to continue to carry it, but more lightly, or to get them free from it. Maybe I can help make this make a little more sense. Think about the, the different things that, that we know people struggle with. And sometimes people are, struggle, are struggling with, and they're weighed down by, you know, just stress. They're just overwhelmed. There's just too much to do and, and too, many, too many things going on in their lives, and they, just, they feel completely overwhelmed by it. And maybe I see somebody who just, you know, has a lot on their plate. They have a lot of things on their to-do list, a lot of things that they got to get accomplished. And maybe there's, there's some deadline approaching. They got to get it done by this certain time. Or maybe they just, one of those people that are trying to be everything to everyone and it's not working and they're, they, they're just swamped. When I see someone in that situation, whether it's a coworker that is, is struggling with getting things accomplished, whether it's a neighbor that seems to be trying to do a lot, uh, whether it's a family member that seems swamped with a whole bunch of things that they got to get done, whether it's a total stranger that I recognize, I don't know that person, but I see how stressed out they are and, and maybe I can help. Maybe even when I see somebody that I don't really get along with, we're not very good friends. I may not even really like that person, but I recognize they're overwhelmed right now. When I see someone in that situation, how do I respond? Do I offer to help? Do I offer to, to do something for them? Do I offer to join in and like I'll pitch in and help or, or here's, here's something, you know, gives even some advice, trying to help them accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish? Or is that too uncomfortable for me? Is it too time consuming? Am I so wrapped up in what I'm doing that I don't even really pay attention to what's going on in somebody else's life? And I, I can't be bothered to help them right now because I got my own things that I'm dealing with. Or honestly, and I may not want to articulate it this way, but when it boils right down to it, I just don't care. Which one is it? 
when I see someone going through, let's call them emotional struggles, someone that's struggling with depression, someone that's, that's recently lost somebody that, that was close to them, someone who was in a relationship and, and that fell apart, someone whose marriage fell apart, someone who was close friends with this person and there was, there was something said or something done and it hurt feelings and it caused a, a rift between the two, but, it, but the hurt is, is overwhelming. Someone who's just full of fear and anxiety about what's happening in their own lives or what's happening in our community or in our, or in our world right now. Someone who's full of anger and resentment over things that happened maybe recently or things that happened in the past. Somebody who struggles with their own self-image, their own self-esteem, their own value of who they are. What do I do when I recognize someone is struggling and being weighed down by any of those things? Especially if I know what it's like, if I've experienced something like that in my own life. Do I share, do I share that burden with them? Do I offer to help? Because I know what it is that they're going through. Even if I have no idea what it is they're going through. I've never had to experience what they've experienced. Am I still moved to help in any way? And even if I can't do something myself, do I, do I try to find resources or, or another person that can help shoulder that load? Or do I, just, I, I, do I just feel like not really getting involved? That's really, that's their issue and not mine. Do I blow off what they're dealing with and like, ah, they'll figure it out. It'll all work out. Do I, do I worry and fear so much about not knowing how to help that I just don't even try? So I end up, you know, just doing nothing? Which one is it? Someone who's going through, maybe someone who's weighed down by spiritual struggles. Maybe they're struggling with their faith right now. Maybe they're wondering if, if, if there even is a God. Much less, what is he doing in my life? Maybe they're struggling with, I believe, or I used to believe at least that there was a God, but he doesn't seem to be doing what I feel like he should be doing in my life. He's not answering my prayers the way I want him to. I don't feel his presence. I'm not for sure if he's really there. Maybe someone who's struggling with some sin, with some addiction, or with guilt of over, over past choices. And that can become so consuming and overwhelming. And when I see someone who is struggling with, with, with the choices that they're making and being weighed down by the consequences of those things, or by the guilt from them, or, or just not someone who's not feeling connected to God, or not feeling connected to His church, or, or, or just going through some kind of a spiritual battle, how do I respond when I see it, when I recognize it? Do I offer to help? Do I give advice? Do I try to connect with them? Do I try to share with them when I've gone through those times what's, what's been helpful to me? Or do I just say, uh, I'm sure it'll be all right. I'm sure it'll all work out. But that's uncomfortable for me. That's awkward. That's the preacher's job, not mine. Which one is it? I'll confess to you. This is my confession time. I've done both. There are times, there are times when I've seen someone struggling with, you know, being overwhelmed and stressed or, or having relationship issues or marriage issues or spiritual issues, and I've run to help. And there are times 
I'm ashamed to say that I've seen it. I know that person is struggling right now. They're overwhelmed. They are weighed down. Boy, what a shame. And I go on and do whatever it is that I got on my agenda to do. I know that's me. I'm assuming some of us, some of the rest of us have struggled with that too. And I don't want to, I don't want to inflict any sense of guilt this morning. I don't want to feel like or cause you to feel like I'm pointing fingers and like shape up and get out there and help people. I, I want us together as a church family to be challenged in a positive way, to, to, to be challenged by God, to recognize that God calls us, that God empowers us to be people who help. And maybe we can't fix it all. Maybe we can't do all the things and provide all the answers, but we can do something. And, and recognize, and again, that's who it is that God has called us to be. That's what it is that God is already enabling us to do. To make a positive impact in somebody's life, to make a difference in their life, just by choosing to help. And doing that because we recognize the kind of help that God has given us in our lives. Now, I want you to think about that for a second as you see these words that Paul shares with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen, but if you got your Bibles or, or a Bible app, I would recommend turning to this, highlighting it, underlining it. This is something that we need to keep in our minds and our hearts on a constant basis. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father, uh, the, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Four times in, this, in these two verses, Paul uses the word comfort. We have a God of comfort who has comforted us so that we can comfort others with the comfort we've received. You think comfort is important to Paul? It's a big deal. And if you go back to the original ancient Greek language that this part of our scripture was written in, that word that we translate in our English Bibles as comfort, and maybe some of your translations say encouragement, literally means to call someone to my side. To call someone to my side. So it's, it's in that moment where I'm... If you can imagine, I'm carrying something, and, and it's, maybe it's on my shoulders, and it's weighing me down, and I'm trying to move forward, and I'm, I'm, I was taking bigger strides, but now I'm down to baby steps, and now I'm about to drop to a knee, and what do I do? I call out to someone else, hey, can you, can you come to my side? Can you help me with this? And that person comes beside me, and the load shifts where it's not just on me, part of it's on them as well, and we continue moving forward together. Does that make sense? That's the word that Paul uses here. But what does he say? We have a God who has already done that and continues to do that for us. That when I am weighed down by, by stress and fear and anger and sin and guilt and whatever else it is that is weighing me down, I have a God who says, let me help you with that. Let me come along beside you and carry that. Let me shoulder that burden. Maybe even let me lift that burden off of you and I'll carry it and get rid of it so you don't have to deal with it anymore. That is what our God has already done for us and continues to do for us if we are his children. 
If we have made him the Lord of our lives, we have been baptized in his name, that is the promise. That we have the God of all comfort that consistently comes alongside and carries. So what does Paul say? Because I have a God that does that for me, what do I do? I go do that for other people. And when I see someone who's weighing down, I become, I become the source of comfort for them. I come alongside them. I help shoulder the weight. I help carry the burden. If possible, I help lift it up off of them. Because that's what God has empowered me to do because of what he has already done for me. I am empowered to help other people. I am empowered to be a source of strength and encouragement and wisdom and help for someone else because God has made that kind of an impact in my life. So what are some ways that I can do that? How can, how can I be a source of help for someone else? There's going to be three key words. And you can write these down or you can screenshot them, whatever you want to do. It's going to be, I'm, I want to make it really simple for us to, to get this this morning. It's three concepts of how we can help other people with their burdens. First thing I can do is I can pray. I can pray about it. Now I know that as soon as that comes up on the screen, as soon as you hear me say that, even some of you at home are going, okay, well, that's what the preacher's supposed to say. Pray about it. Just pray about it. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes when we share, even like in, you know, in our social media, and we share, hey, this is a struggle that's, that's going on right now, and, and people say prayers, and sometimes we're like, oh, that's nice that they're thinking of me. And sometimes we're like, yeah, really? Are you, but are you actually praying? I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of one of those kind of cliche statements that we make sometimes. We'll pray for you. But folks, I, I, I really do think we can help people. We can, we can make a difference in people's lives simply by starting out by praying for them, praying with them, but definitely praying for them. That we have a God who listens. We have a God who acts and moves to action when we call on him to help. When we present him with something and say, this is what's going on in this person's life. God, would you intervene? That we have a God who hears that. It moves to action. And maybe we pray for physical healing. Maybe we pray for emotional healing. Maybe we pray for grace or for wisdom or for that person to make good choices. But we pray for help. God, please help in this situation. And the reason that we do that is because of the promise that we believe in James chapter 5 and verse 16 where James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you remember from a few weeks ago, righteous is not perfect. It's not saying the prayer of a perfect person is powerful and effective. Prayer of a righteous person, person who is in a relationship with God, a connection with God. The person who, who is connected to God and has a conversation with God on behalf of someone else, something happens when we pray. Stuff happens. God moves when we pray. If I want to be a difference maker, if I, want, if I want to be helpful to someone else with a burden that, that they're carrying, one thing I can do for sure is pray about it. And the second thing is to act. Broad term. 
but I need to take action. Somehow, some way, I need to do something. If I have the ability to help, then I need to try to help. If I know someone who has the ability to help, I need to take action and get that person connected with somebody who has the ability to help. But I need to take action. I don't need to, I don't need to just sit on my hands and do nothing. I need to open my hands and take action. Participate in what they're doing and help them with them. Join, join with them in what they're struggling with and, and help to carry it. Maybe even do it for them. Volunteer to help. And when I see different people got different needs, give, uh, uh, find resources, use encouraging words, whatever it is, take action. Don't just sit idly by and watch somebody struggle. Take action. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, John says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We believe that we are loved by God. We believe that we are loved by Jesus. And we believe that we are called to show that love to other people. And John says when we do that, it doesn't, much, doesn't need to just be lip service. Now, John is not saying that we don't tell people that we love them. We should. We should tell people we love them. But we can't just stop with lip service. John says, how, how is somebody going to know that you love them with your actions. He says, and in truth, in, in, in sincerity, and genuineness, I am genuinely concerned about this person and I am moving to action. I'm going to do something. And I can't tell you exactly what that is until we know what the situation is. But when you see someone who is burdened down, who is weighed down, who is overwhelmed, who is stressed out, who is fearful, whatever it is, if you have the ability and the, and the power to help, then take action and help. I can pray, I can act, and I can walk. I can help make a difference in somebody's life if I just walk with them through that particular circumstance that they're dealing with. I may not have all the answers. I may not have all, all the ability to help in that situation, but I can still remember our word comfort. I can still come alongside that person and say, I'm here, I'm walking with you. And I will stick with you. I will walk with you through this whole thing until we get to the other side of it. Now, I may not be able to fix it, but I'm going to stick with you beside it. Stick beside you through it is what I meant to say. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Samuel, there's a story of King David, and, and David was this amazing king of Israel, and things seemed to be going so well for him. It seemed like he could do nothing wrong. And then, and then kind of later on in his reign, things started to fall apart, especially with his kids. And one of his sons named Absalom ended up through a, a series of, of actions and choices and, and just being kind of conniving and kind of shady ended up convincing most of the nation of Israel and a lot of David's own officials to move over to his side, and he overthrew David. He set himself up as the king of Israel, and all the people were flocking to him, and David ended up having to flee the country. He has to pack up his palace and his family as soon as he can because his son is on his way to the palace, and when his son gets to the palace and David's still there, his son is going to kill him so that he can be the rightful in his mind, the rightful king of Israel. 
And so David is packing everything up, and he's getting his family and a handful of officials that are still loyal to him. And they start walking out of Jerusalem, and they get outside the city, and they're walking down the road. And there's some people that are cheering and going, yeah, get out of here, David. And there's some people that are weeping, and they can't believe what's happening. And it's this chaotic scene. And in 2 Samuel chapter 15, there's this guy named Ittai that is talked about. Ittai was from a city called Gath. They call him Ittai the Gittite. He's not even an Israelite. He's not even really part of the kingdom, but he's been impressed with David as a king, and he's brought 600 soldiers with him to, to sign up to be in David's army. And they just got there the day before. So this is like show up on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, the guy that you were going to sign, you know, volunteer to be a soldier for is now not going to be king anymore. And Ittai meets David on the road, and David, David tells him, you need to go home. Um, I'm on the run right now. And I don't know if I'm going to be king anymore. And if you're with me, you're in danger. And it's not fair to ask you, you've only been here for a day. It's not fair to ask you to stay with me. So you need to take all your people and just go home. And here's Ittai's response. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 21. Ittai replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord the King lives, wherever the Lord the King may be, wherever it mean, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Now I want you to notice what Ittai doesn't say. He doesn't say, I, I'm, I'm going to go storm the palace right now. I'm going to go find that, that son of yours and I'm going to kill him myself. He doesn't say that. And then say, give me a little bit of time. I'm going to raise an army, and we're going to, we're going to fight back, and we're going, to, we're going to take the palace back over for you. He doesn't say that. What does he say? I'm going to walk with you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Ittai doesn't even know where David's going, because David doesn't even know where he's going. And Ittai says, I'm with you, David. Let's, let's go. I'll stick by your side. And that's what he does. Day after day, mile after mile, he walks down the road side by side with David. And we don't hear a whole lot more about Ittai besides this, this little story right here. Do you imagine that made an impact in David's life? Do you imagine that made a difference to him? Ittai really couldn't do anything. I can't take action. I don't know what to do. The only thing I know to do is put my arm around you and let's keep walking. I'm in this with you. Folks, sometimes that's what that person needs. If nothing else, if I don't know what to do or how to do it, if I'm not necessarily able to help, am I willing to just walk with them through it? Maybe carry them through it if I have to until we get to the other side of it. To say to that person, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know exactly what direction we're going to go. But I'm with you no matter what. I'm sticking. I'm walking. If we can keep those three things in mind. When we see someone who needs help. That's going to help us be more consistent in our difference making. If we can pray, act, walk. Say it with me. Pray, act, walk. One more time. Pray, act, walk.
Maybe we do one of those things. Maybe we do a combination of all three. But if we keep those actions in mind, we're going we're gonna to be able to help. God's going to be able to help through us. Now, real quick, if I'm going to pray and if I'm going to act and if I'm going to walk, if I'm going to be a difference maker with the way I help somebody else, there's some things that are going to be required of me. Some things that, that I'm going to have to do, some things I'm, I, that I'm going to have to, to practice. Some things I'm going to have to have in order to be a difference maker in the, with the way I help. The first thing I got to have is open eyes. I have to have open eyes to see when somebody needs help. I, I, have, to, I have to look outside of my comfort zone, my, my bubble. I need, I need to look beyond sometimes even my own prejudices. And look beyond, sometimes I'm, I'm so wrapped up in looking at that person through the lens of how they got into the problem, the situation they're in the first place, that I don't even, I don't even think about how they need help because I'm so wrapped up in my own prejudices and my preconceived ideas about that person. And you have open eyes to see someone who needs help. A story I've shared with this church family multiple times, one of my favorite stories in the scriptures in Luke chapter 7 when Jesus is at basically a preacher's house. And a woman comes in that wasn't invited, and, and she's known around town as, as just, I mean, the Scripture just calls her a sinful woman. She's done awful things. She's made awful choices and had a habit of that, had a lifestyle of that. And she comes busting into this house in the middle of this party, this dinner party, that she wasn't even invited to. There's no way these people even invite her in the first place. And she gets down by Jesus' feet, and she is weeping. She is weeping about the choices of her life and how she feels about herself and how she feels about this person that she knows is good and knows has forgiven other people. She knows that about him and she wants that for herself. And yet at the same time, she probably doesn't even feel like she deserves it. And she is crying so hard. So many tears are being produced that she can, she can wet and wipe the dirt off of Jesus' feet because she's crying so hard. Jesus looks at the host. His name was Simon. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 44, it says, He turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Which seems like the dumbest question Jesus could have asked. Because the entire room sees this woman. Everything has stopped. Nobody's eating. No servants are bringing refills. Everybody is watching this sinful woman grab hold of and rub the feet of this supposed rabbi. Do you see this woman? Of course I see this woman. I can't believe I'm seeing this woman right now. But that's not what Jesus is asking. He's not asking, do you physically see this woman? He's asking, do you see this woman's heart? Do you see what's going on in her life? Do you see how much she's hurting? Do you see the weight that she's being weighed down with? Do you see how desperately she wants to be set free from this? Do you see her? Because Simon didn't have open eyes. He didn't see what she needed. He didn't see the opportunity that he had to help. And if I'm going to be a difference maker with the way that I help other people, I've got to open my eyes and see the opportunities that God is putting right in front of me. I need to see people's hearts. I need to see their hurts. I need to see the burdens. I need to choose to help. Number two, I've got to take ownership of it. I need to own that opportunity. I need, to, I need to own the chance to help in some way. And don't wait for somebody else to, or don't hope that somebody does something. Take ownership of it myself. 
In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is surrounded by, the scripture tells us, 5,000 plus people. They've been with him all day. They're tired, they're hungry. His disciples are tired and hungry, and they're like, you know what, Jesus, why don't you send these people home? We're, we're exhausted. Sure, they are too. Let's send them home. We're, we're done for the day. And Jesus says, we need to feed these people. And his disciples are like, we, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. Where are we going to find food to feed 5,000 plus people? They need to find something on their way home. They need to eat at their own kitchens. And Jesus' response in Mark chapter 6 and verse 37, he answered, you give them something to eat. You find food for them. You find a solution. You fix it. Jesus is saying, I need you to own this. I need, I need you to take action. I need you to grab a hold of this opportunity and do something about it and, and meet a need for these people. And I think that there's sometimes that Jesus is looking at me and going, I need you to own this situation. There's some people that need help. You give them help. You pray for them. You act. You walk with them. You do it. Don't just look for somebody else to. Don't just hope somebody else helps. You be the one to help. Take ownership of it. Take action. It's not enough just to see the opportunity. I need to own the opportunity. Number three, there's going to have to be some self-sacrifice involved. Choosing to help somebody else with something they're struggling with means, often means that I'm going to have to let go of something, maybe even sacrifice something that's important to me. I may have to let go of my time. I may have to let go of my money. I may have to let go of my energy. I may have to let go of my own to-do list. I may have to let go of some pride. I may have to let go of my comfort zone. If I'm going to take action, if I'm going to walk with that person through their struggle, usually that means I'm going to have to put something that might even be really important to me on the side for a minute while I help them. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, nothing should be done because of pride or thinking about yourself. Think of other people as more important than yourself. I may have a lot of things on my to-do list. I may have things that, that I feel more comfortable doing than that particular thing. And Paul says, yeah, but you need to think of that person as being more important than you and what they need as being more crucial and more vital right now than what you need. That's self-sacrifice. And I'm going to have to be willing to let, go of, to let go of some things so that I can grab a hold of this burden with you and help shoulder it or help get rid of it. I'm going to have to have open eyes. I'm going to need to take ownership. I'll probably have to have self-sacrifice. And the last thing I'm going to have to have is commitment. This can't be half-hearted effort. I can't fully commit to praying and taking action and sticking with you if I'm not really committed to that. It can't just be a matter of convenience. and I, It can't be just something that I feel like doing right now, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it on down the road. I need to stay committed to, to meeting this need as long as it takes. Way back in the Old Testament book of Exodus, as, as Moses is leading God's people, he's already led them uh, out of Egyptian slavery and he's leading them across the wilderness and there's an army that comes to meet him to attack him to conquer this nation that's trying to walk through the wilderness together and Moses in Exodus chapter 17 goes up on a mountain 
And he just stands above this mountain as he sees the armies battling in the valley below. And he just holds his hands up in, in an act of, of prayer and submission to God. And while he's got his hands up, the Israelite army is winning. They're defeating the troops that they're, that they're fighting against. But, of course, I mean, how long can you do this? And as Moses' arms start to get tired and his hands kind of drop, and maybe he's lost circulation, he's trying to shake him out. When his hands drop, the enemy starts to win. And he gets his hands up again, and then they drop. And he gets his hands up again, and they drop. And so in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur, these two guys, one of them was Moses' brother, Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until when? Sunset. This is all day. It's not just that Moses is, is sitting and, you know, I, I don't even know exactly what it looked like. They grab his wrist and just hold him up in the air like this. I'm not for sure. They get under the elbow. I don't know what the technique was. But not just for a few minutes, folks. Hours. He sat. They stood. And held his hands up. They weren't fighting. They weren't even the ones with the hands that God was paying attention to. He was paying attention to Moses' hands. They just stood and held his hands up all day until the battle was won. That's commitment. And that's what I'm going to have to have if I'm going to make a difference in somebody's life with the way I choose to help. It can't be half-hearted. It can't be just for a few minutes or a few hours until I find something else to do. It can't be only when it's convenient for me. I got to be committed until the need is met, until the burden is gone. I got to have open eyes. I got to have. I got to take ownership. I got to sacrifice something myself, and I got to be committed. When I do that, and when I pray for that person, I, I take action for them. I walk with them. Powerful things are going to happen in that person's life. I want to make a difference in their life because I chose to help. And I would say probably this morning, some of the stories I've shared, you've probably heard before. Maybe even just the, the whole theme of this message. If you've been a part of this church family for a while, you've probably heard me say some of these same things before. But I, I, these have been on my heart this week to share with you because I want, I want us as a church family to be difference makers. Whether anyone else ever knows it or not. To make a difference in people's lives with our words and with our message. And, with, and with, when we take action and take advantage of opportunities to help. I want that to be part of our DNA. I want that to be something that we're, we're known for. And when somebody needs help, those people help. Not so that we can brag on ourselves, not so we can pat ourselves on the back and go, look at us, look what good, look what amazing difference makers we are. But to recognize, look what a good God we have that has empowered us with the opportunity and the ability to walk with this person and to help them. Wouldn't that be awesome? If all we're known for is just being difference makers, even in the small ways. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for myself. I hope that's what you want too. 
But I want, as we, as we end this morning, and I do need to wrap up, as we end this morning, I want us to recognize again that we've been helped, that we've had burdens lifted from our lives. And I want to show you a, a quick video to, to help kind of help you see what it is that God has done for us. In the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, there was a guy named, uh, there's a, a track runner from Great Britain. His name was Derek Redmond. And he was supposed to run in the 88 games in the Seoul Olympics, and he was injured. He missed out on the opportunity to run. In the 92 Olympics, he's, he's one of the runners, one of the better runners for Great Britain. And he had to run through several heats. Uh, I think he was running the 400, and he had to run through several heats to get to the actual medal round. And the first two heats that he ran, he won both of them. He was running great. He felt better than he had in a long time. In his third heat to get to the medal round, as long as he finished high enough, he didn't even have to win. As long as he finished high enough, he's going to be in the final race where he can run. And people were assuming he was going to get some kind of a medal. Maybe gold, maybe not, but he was going to get a medal because he was just running that well. And in the, in the middle of the race, as he's running, and he even said later, I couldn't believe how fast I was running. I felt better than I ever had before. And I was, they're coming around the curve, and he's going to start really kicking into high gear. And he heard a pop. And he tore his hamstring. And he went down while the rest of the runners completed the race. And I want you to see what happened at the end of the race. And we'll wrap up our time together this morning.
as Derek Redmond is trying to hobble the last stretch of that race. A man came from out of the stands, shoving his way past security. embrace his son and didn't stop the race and didn't pick him up and carry him he just let him put his arms around him and said we'll finish this together I've got you and I kind of laugh like you guys do when the security people are running out there and like get away get away I don't know that God necessarily pushes anybody else away but I think I think that's what God does for us folks believe that's what he's done for me he doesn't always prevent the injuries he doesn't always shelter us from the storms but he always promises to come alongside us and walk with us through it and sometimes he protects and sometimes he prevents and sometimes he lifts and carries But if nothing else, we have a Father that in some of our darkest moments, in some of our heaviest times in our lives, comes along beside us and says, put your arms around me and we'll finish this together. And so as we wrap up this morning, I want first of all to say, if you don't know that you have a Father like that, you need to know Him. You need to know Him today. Because he wants to do, to do that for you. And it doesn't matter the problems that you're going through. If, they're, if it's stuff that, be, because of consequences of your own choices. Or life has happened and you haven't had any control over it. If, it's, if there's sin in your life. If there's broken relationships. If there's mistakes that you made. If, there, if there's regret that you're filled with. It doesn't matter. My God says, put your arms around me and we'll finish together. And if you want to experience that, you can this morning. We're going to stand up together in just a second and sing a song together. And you are welcome to come walking to the front and say, I want to experience that kind of love and that kind of comfort, that kind of helping with my burdens that I've never experienced before or haven't allowed myself to experience in a long time. And you can come share that with us and we will help get you connected to our God who will do that for you. It can happen this morning. But I also want us to recognize for those of us who have experienced God carrying us in that way. Let's be challenged this morning to go be that source of strength for somebody else. To go be the person that comes alongside. We say, put your arms around me and we'll walk through this together. And I don't know how long it's going to take and I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I'm here with you and I'm not leaving. If we can help get you in a position where our God can set you free from your burdens, please come forward. If we can help get you in a position where you can feel empowered to go be the God, the, the, the source of help that God is shaping you to be, feel free to come forward. However we can help, we want to. While together we stand and sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound
Baker has come forward asking for, for help, for prayers this morning. Um, he's got several things that are just, he feels like are just overwhelming him right now. Uh, he and Marla's uh, daughter is having some serious health issues, and the doctors can't figure out the source of it. And they don't know if it's lupus or arthritis or something else, and they're still trying to figure that out. So she's in a world of hurt. Um, and they don't know why. And so he wants prayers for that. Uh, Marla is battling COVID again. Um, and it's been back and forth. She gets it, she gets well. She gets it, she gets well. And she's battling it again. And then uh, Daryl himself is having surgery tomorrow. Um, he's got circulation issues in one of the veins in his leg. And is going to have to have 
three days in a row of different things done through surgeries and tests. And he's worried. Uh, and so, and, and he said, I'm more worried about them than I am myself. But it's a fearful thing when you don't have the answers. And, um, and so he just wanted to share that with his church family this morning and have us pray for him. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to come alongside him the best that we can. And we got some folks that have already come down here to surround him while we pray for him. If anybody else would like to come down here and, and put a hand on uh, Daryl or put a hand on somebody that's got a hand on him while we pray together, we're going to lift up him and lift up his family um, together this morning. Let's pray. God, we believe that it's, it's not just empty words. We believe you are the God of all comfort. And we come before you right now asking, begging God for peace and comfort for Daryl and his family. God, we, we pray uh, for his procedure that he's going to have to go through tomorrow and, and other days this week. God, we pray for that to be successful, for for whatever needs to be done, that you allow healing to take place. And it'll be doctors and nurses that are doing their thing, but we want to believe and to know, God, that it is your healing hand that is going to be on him. And we pray for healing for Marla, and we pray that this, is, that, that this would be the last time that she's going to have to deal with this virus anymore, that, that it's not something that continues to be a problem in her life. So we pray for healing for her, and we pray for healing for his daughter. God, we pray for answers, for clarity to know exactly what's going on and exactly how to deal with it. But God, we do believe you are the God of healing and we pray for healing for her. And most of all, God, we just pray that Daryl right now feels your strength, your arms around him, promising to carry him and his family through this time. God, I pray that, that in a very short time, he can look back on this moment and be amazed at how you went to work and how you acted on behalf of him and his family. And we just lift all of them up to you, God, and ask you to show your power and show your grace, to show your healing at this time. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to wrap up our worship in just a moment. Tom Smith, one of our shepherds, is going to come up and share just a couple of quick announcements, and, uh, and then we'll wrap up after that. What a powerful morning. Daryl, thank you. Marshall, thank you for that lesson. You know, we all we all are in this walk, struggling, enjoying things. Sometimes they don't go our way. That's why we're here. We have each other. And thank you for reminding us that Marshall this morning. And Daryl, we're there with you. We got you. That's why we're here. It hit me. I talked, I talked with Steve, and we're going to change the script a little bit this, uh, this morning. I'm going to make some announcements. And then we're going to all get right there in the center. We're going to sing a song together because I think we need each other. But where's Luke Boyd at? Is he here this morning? Right there. Let's, in, let's encourage him. He's our new member coming to Flagstone. Give him a roll club. Good to have you, Luke. And then uh, Paul, Paul Curry, he's one of our deacons. 
and he's actually got some things in life that are changing. So he's going to step down as a deacon. He was in charge of our missions, uh, and we understand that, respect it. He's still part of the family. Be sure to reach out to Paul. Let him know how much you appreciate uh, what he did for us uh, with our missions uh, work, but he is stepping down. What we believe that's about to happen, we, we've got this great building, okay? The Lord has blessed us. This is nice. Those of you who don't remember, we were over there. September 11th, we'll start class. It's the insights class. And we believe it's important. We've been talking about this, the shepherds with Marshall. We've been discussing. We need to know who we are. We need to know what the Bible says we need to be. We need to know what we need to be for the community. Because we have reach out, connect, and serve. That's our whole mission statement. Please be part of that class. It's important. We need to know why we believe stuff, what we believe, but more importantly, how do we meet our mission? Reach out, connect, and serve. So please, September 11th, get to those classes. We don't, uh, don't forget, you saw on the back, the giving. Uh, you can do it online. You can leave it back there in the plate if you need to. Uh, but this morning, I hope you understand when you see this and heard that message why we're here. Let's all come to the middle while we sing this song. Stick. The
Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, you members. Get right, church. Get right, church, and let's go home. I'm going home on the morning train. Get right, church. 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 Get right,